0: Very Bad Wizards is a podcast with a philosopher, my dad, and a psychologist Dave Pizarro, having an informal discussion about issues in science and ethics. Please note that the discussion contains bad words that I'm not allowed to say and knowing my dad, some very inappropriate jokes. What do people think of when they think of Germany? Uh... Okay.
1: brain? You're a very bad man. I'm a very good man. Just a very bad wizard.
2: Hi, just a quick note. We decided to split this up into two episodes. So while we recorded about the Charles Murray incident at Middlebury as an intro, it went long enough that we're actually going to release our discussion of the movie Arrival uh, next week. So look out for that.
0: Welcome to Very Bad Wizards. I'm Tamler Summers from the University of Houston. Today we have Yoel Inbar joining us. Joel, Yoel, 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 welcome. What's your most popular porn search term?
1: I don't search <laughs> and I don't know actually who does the, just type porn into de- Google. You have destination pages.
2: You have like, no, 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 yeah, no. I go to a
0: destination. Porn, so, no, on Pornhub, what is the, 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 the like word my category, w- words that you yeah. put in most often,
1: you know, I just like to go with
2: whatever's there, uh, whatever's <laughs> like top rated. I'm a follower, you use social yeah. proof as a principle for your porn, like yeah. whatever, whatever at least 80% of the people, uh, said was yeah. good. Um, well, also, also, hear me
1: out like maybe, uh, if you always go to the same thing, you missed new things that might interest you. And this I is think. a way to discover. It ah, enhances discovery. You're saying
2: that we live in our porn bubble and that services
1: like yeah. Google yeah,
2: right. are adding
1: to the problem. <laughs> our porn echo chamber. Yeah. Yeah, I like to expose myself to a diversity of porn viewpoints. <laughs> yes. And that's why I just <laughs> I just invariably watch the top thing in the most popular <laughs> clips.
0: All right, well, listen. So I'm, I'm asking this because Pornhub... The, the the website, which is apparently a, a website where you can get free pornography. Never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, I know. They, they released their most popular search terms on their site by state. So most people aren't like you, Yoel, uh, that open-minded, go with the flow <laughs> about their porn. I think they, they sort of know what they want going in. So I thought I'd ask you guys, if you can guess what the leading, porn term is okay i'm gonna say uh,
2: my first guess though cold just cold in texas particularly in the houston area um particularly in in whatever gps location your iphone is uh it is latina Mm -hmm. maids um is the number one (laughs) it's actually texas so texas is interesting it's jews (laughs) i don't think that's for porn (laughs) yeah
0: No, Texas is actually uh we're just lesbian oh, let's, which is huh. one of the more popular huh. one. Texas is just lesbian. What do Doggy you think Alaska style.
2: is? <laughs> Stepmom <laughs> Stepmom Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's Step an interesting mom. genre of porn. I'm I'm not sure exactly why people like that. But but it's I I'm not either. It's incest light, right? Because 'Cause they're like
1: not related biologically, but you know, Incest, but I'm not really comfortable acknowledging that I'm actually into it's that. It's so, so weird.
0: So, other states with stepmom,
2: want to take a guess as their. So I. Uh, so huh. it's, this is. So we, have, so we have. So Alaska is what I'm anchoring on. So I'm gonna guess yeah, Montana. Montana, Montana.
0: Yeah. Montana. No, but you're
1: close. <laughs> North Dakota.
0: No, I mean you're close as to what the Montana one oh is. Oh. Stepdad. Uh. <laughs> uh. uh. <laughs> yes, yeah, stepdad. No, stepsister. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah. There's a few s- sprinkled yeah. around the north and the uh, on the northern parts of the country are a lot of step step related family members. Stepsister, stepmom, stepsister is in Minnesota. Although I think second was moral pluralists. Um, <laughs> stepsister <laughs> in Maine. Stepmom is in Washington State. Uh, <laughs> what do you think Nebraska is? So Nebraska sh- uh, uh, shares the same name with Tennessee and Lactation. Vermont.
2: Lactation. N- <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
0: Yoel, do you want to
1: take a guess? <laughs> no, I have I have no idea what the states have in common. Apparently, uh, a
0: liking for cartoon. Ooh, like anime. Huh. Yeah. You know, they- well, I don't know. We don't know that. It could be, like, Kathy or something.
1: <laughs> Mondays, am I right? Eat me out. <laughs> so where where else is lesbian porn big? You said that was one of so the— So lesbian
0: is
2: just all over the country. Me. It's, a, it's um, universal. It's, it's, a, it's one of it, those— uh, It's like one it's of the five New York five porn foundations, according to John Hyde's secret yeah. thesis. <laughs>
0: It it really it does seem like it is so, and and there's no like red states, blue states. They all like lesbians. Um, New York, all down the eastern seaboard: Massachusetts, um, Connecticut, New Jersey, California, New Mexico, Florida, uh, Mississippi. uh, Sorry, no Alabama. Alabama is lesbian, flanked by uh, ebony from Mississippi. And ebony, uh, and they say, and
2: and they say, gay rights is still an issue. I mean, look at look at how we've embraced. (laughs) Exactly, (laughs)
0: come a long way. Rhode Island, uh, every other state has shares the same porn term with another state, except for Rhode Island, which is its own little thing.
1: Which is what? (laughs) You're also acting ignorant. Uh, Rhode Island. Let's say. Gangbang.
2: Oh, uh, I was no. gonna say, uh, why I, would I w- you say gangbang for that? I was night. gonna say cuckolding. What's your experience they in Rhode Island? They-, <laughs> they
0: seem depraved. They seem you depraved know, Rhode right Islanders
2: have fought that stereotype for long enough. I really, I really, <laughs> <Yeah>. resent. <laughs>
0: uh, Rhode Island is MILF. Uh,
1: huh? Huh?
0: Milf, yeah. Now again, I'm not into it. Not into the whole older woman mean, genre. Yeah. The stepmom, milf, you mean yeah. equivalent well, age women.
1: <laughs> equivalent. Yeah. Equi- <laughs> equivalent
2: age women, exactly. I'm not into that.
1: I think porn in porn milf is like she's over 25. That's right. right? That's so. right.
2: Unless they put uh, unless they put pigtails yeah. on, in which case they're teens. Yeah. Magically, yeah, they're magically teens. <laughs> They're totally yeah. 18. Like there's one Asian
0: too. There's one state with Asian. I think it's probably maybe what you would think. Not sure. Um
1: hmm. Hawaii. Hawaii.
0: Oh, yes. good job. Uh yeah. yeah. good job. I think Yoel's the winner here. Um stepmom doesn't go south of the Ma- Mason Dixon line. None of the steps. You know, people always say the south is depraved, like inbred, but it's actually it's it's the north. They, the north is all the the Family, members. but they're step. Yeah. They're step.
2: Like it's okay.
1: Yeah, sure. There's
2: very step.
0: important
1: <laughs> distinction. So
2: I, I don't like-
0: actually. Louisiana is also its own thing, but I'm not sure if you can. It's it's black. So whereas uh, Mississippi is ebony, Louisiana is just yeah.
1: black. I don't. Do you get the
2: distinction there? Huh?
0: Do I? Is it like Hispanic, Latino, or, <laughs> or something like that? No, or?
2: but I wonder if if. Um, black men are more likely to type ebony and white men are more likely to type black. Like, I wonder if it's actually like a cross-racial uh, distinction. So where like Louisiana white right. guys are just like jungle fever curious and yeah. they type in black because they wouldn't know to type in ebony? That's my theory. Yeah. Somebody.
0: Well, I'm not looking at the raw data set because they didn't upload that into <laughs> Yoel's new uh Bad scientific program.
1: practice, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is this, this disappointing, Pornhub. Um,
0: I think I'm going to call Yoel the winner, and so you get to choose the topic that we talk about for our opening <laughs> segment. What do you choose, Yoel?
1: Oh, I would love to talk about Charles Murray's recent experience at Middlebury College. <laughs> can really? We, can we? You,
0: you, and every op-ed columnist uh, in the country wants. I uh, know. I'm a little late to the party. Yeah. Well, okay, fine. If you really want to.
1: Oh, thanks,
2: guys. This is actually
0: yeah. our second go at trying to talk about this, um, which is, I think, is about average for us when we try to talk about to campus well, politics. Well, it's probably one point eight. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm willing to
2: give us the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> uh.
0: Well, since Yoel won the game and he wants to talk about it, let's talk about it. it. It has been in the news for, I mean, just today. Frank Bruno wrote a column about it in the New York Times. So let's talk. Let's talk about it and try to keep a few different questions straight. So. There's the legality of what happened well, what at you Middlebury, what ha- what happened, the violence. Just really
2: quickly, summary uh, of what happened for those three people who might not know. Well, Yoel, why don't you, since this is, since you wanted to talk about since
1: this, since it was please. all my idea. Yeah, uh, Charles Murray, who's a well-known, controversial uh, author, political scientist, went to Middlebury to give a talk about his, I believe it's his most recent book, which is about the white working class. Um, and people were upset that he was being allowed to speak there, based not on this book, but based on his uh, famously controversial book, The Bell Curve. And there was a protest at his talk um, that forced them to move his, like he was being interviewed by a political scientist um, on the faculty there, uh, forced them to move that interview to uh, a different room and live stream it. Uh, and then when they tried to leave, uh, the location where they were doing that, they were confronted by a group of protesters, uh, who may or may not have been Middlebury undergraduates. Uh, and those protesters um, surrounded their car, um, shoved them. Uh, the lady whose name I now forget. Do you guys remember the name of his host, the political scientist?
0: No, and she was there to kind of debate him. Right,
1: she disagreed a, with him. Right, she yeah. was right. there to ask him a harding him out of the building
2: about, about the. Uh, about his yeah. yeah, and she and she was so, injured right. So somebody um, shoved mildly. her,
1: pulled her hair or something, so that she had to go get a I don't know, go to the air and get a neck brace. Um, and uh, so they you know made it past the angry crowd, but it was a scary experience according to both of them. And these are uh, you know one uh, middle aged woman and one older man, so not a particularly formidable bunch um, getting shoved around by a bunch of young people. And did they end up giving their Yeah, they did. They did they live streamed it. Um apparently it didn't work all that well like there were some glitches with the live streaming, but like she was able to interview him in okay. the end.
0: So, as I said, the legality isn't really the question. The morality of what happened at Middlebury, I think is a question, although it it's very hard to find somebody to who defends. Yeah, I found like the, one The protesters. One piece. Yeah. What, you found one piece?
1: I found one piece. Two
0: more controversial questions, or at least where there's more disagreement, is over the morality of shouting down and preventing speech or speakers in general on campus. And then um, also what this incident reflects about American university culture, Today in 2017, but uh, tell me the person who defended the protesters. Yard.
1: Yeah, well, it wasn't it wasn't great. Was it um, Vlad? Was I, it Vlad? It was Vlad. It was, Shout <laughs> out! Shout out to Vlad. <laughs> uh, it was, it, it was a, a faculty member, actually, not not at Middlebury, um, at some, I believe, Midwestern University, uh, professor of, I want to say English, um, and he said that they were. Uh, this is using Mario Savio's phrase, uh, throwing their body on the gears is like obviously one of the, uh, um, icons of the free speech movement in Berkeley in the sixties. Uh, and he said, you know, in order to stop the machine, you have to throw your body on the gears. And so he, the op-ed writer, um, appropriated that phrase somewhat ironically (laughs) to defend these people. Um, shutting down free speech in and Middlebury, and, and uh, but it it was, ba- it was bad. It was you know it it was a lot of like evasions. And, so uh, it's
2: it's not right. I don't think it, there is a question about whether it's it's wrong to protest. It was it's just the the shouting down and preventing him from being heard at all. That's that's that question, right? Because presumably yeah. protesting it, yeah. it would be just another instance of free speech, I suppose. Um, right. And rocking the car and shit like. Like a bunch of like right. you know Detroit sports fans after a, a victory. Um. <laughs> I was director of
0: a program, and though I wasn't the person who spearheaded this, um, I definitely allowed it to happen within this program where we invited Charles Murray also to talk about his book *Coming Apart*, which is about the problems of white working-class Americans. You know, he was one of the first to. Uh, point out that, especially men, were were finding it hard to get jobs, becoming addicted to um, opioids, and there was, and they just seemed like they were less and less connected with their communities and with, and getting angrier and more hopeless and despondent. So uh, he was invited. One one professor called me, again, because I was the director. Um, And asked me why I was doing it like that. Would you let uh, or a neo-nazi speak at your university? and You know I said look it's really not up to (laughs) number one. It's not up to me I, I wasn't in charge of it, but number two. I don't think that analogy holds There were a few protests, you know people holding up signs outside the the talk and then inside the talk a couple people held up signs it all went Smoothly, He gave his talk. It was a fine talk. There was one sort of poignant moment where someone in the Q&A asked him how he felt about all these protests. And he said, it feels pretty bad. You know, I thought after finally, you know, 20 years after the bell curve that I was finally going to be welcome back on campuses. I've been giving some events. And, and just to see these protests, you know, like I, th- I thought I had put that behind me and, and, and was working on this new stuff. And it just won't the people uh can't get past that, so that's sad for me. And that's all he said. And you know, and then he left. He didn't have dinner with us, which I guess he was By <coughs> the way,
2: he was supposed to have him. dinner in Middlebury, but the protesters found out where they're gonna they, where they were gonna have dinner, and so they they um said that they would go and, and they had to sh- fuck with him so they didn't
0: end up Now I take it that's happened a lot with Charles Murray. He's been giving lectures on this book for For years, you know, I guess that that speaks to the question of to what extent this reflects the reality of American campuses. But I know that you're fairly concerned. You think it's 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 fairly typical. Is that right? Joel?
1: well, I don't know about typical. I mean, it doesn't happen here. Um, I've never seen anything like that at at U of T. Um, Toronto. Yeah. In Toronto. Uh, there is a, a professor here, this guy, Jordan Peterson, who has some controversial views that he's been making public recently. And there were, you know, there's protesters outside the building, uh, the psych building, or there were, there's not still. But uh, there wasn't an, an attempt to shout him down. In fact, the uh, university held like a forum where he was able to like debate his views with other people. Um, and that went off with no problem. But he has gotten yelled um, at, I think,
2: in in sort of more informal settings, like best students maybe
1: i mean i don't yeah i, uh, I don't know I, I don't track every time somebody yells at somebody else but certainly like because <laughs> like, that's what, they, I you implying. Know what i was mean? it's not like <laughs> <laughs>
2: sure.
1: you should be keeping a list the thing is like okay he has these controversial views and the university isn't saying he shouldn't be allowed to speak here they're saying let's have a debate about it right so and they invited him and they invited some critics and they had um you know a mm, civil exchange of views uh and I see no
2: problem with that. Like to me the crux of what's wrong is the students who shouted. And so if I say either this maybe this is a canary in the coal mine for what's going on at at, at higher education institutions, maybe it's not. But what I can what I can confidently say is that why not not shout down uninvited speaker um but, you know, be, be, go ahead, protest, log your protests, even take votes as students maybe who, who you want to come speak and who you don't want to come speak. And, and then I'm left thinking, is the only thing that's wrong the fact that they were assholes in the way that they did it, right? And if that's the case, then, then all we're doing is rallying against assholes. I don't know that it's anything deeper than that. I guess that's the
0: question, right? So certainly... The fact that this has been, this happened over a week ago and people are still writing columns about it suggests the problem, they think, isn't just a bunch of Vermont, like kids in Vermont who are assholes. The problem is a growing trend on university campuses to deny access to speech that they disagree with, that they find offensive, that uh, potentially threatening to them emotionally. And that's I think that's the question of whether this is that, or this is just a bunch of assholes at Middlebury. Right. So I, mean, I,
2: I guess I'm not, I don't even know that I'm asking, like I'm asking the question not whether it was just specific Middlebury assholes. I'm saying even if this happened across the country, would this be a problem of free speech, or would this be a problem with sort of entitled assholes um, protesting the wrong way? Because part of me wants to say, well, you know, if, if the people who run the school... If they vote, if some students invited somebody here and the Cornell Board of Trustees said they didn't want this speaker here, um, yeah, you know, I'd be like, well, that, I guess that sucks, but I think it would, it also would really depend on the facts of who that speaker was. And so, so I think that it matters whether or not Murray is a white supremacist and a racist. And I, that's the part that I feel like hasn't been discussed. But I, but I don't know that I would be that against. Um, Schools deciding that they didn't want to invite people based on what they thought about that person Mm.
0: Well, but right but but in this case the conservative group invited him and So it's not about the school deciding not to invite him Which is this is a case where they
2: did everything they could to still let him talk, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, and on the other
0: side that this isn't a trend it's like Yoel had to could come up with out of all the things that have been written about it, and there's been so many one one article defending what happened, right? And yeah. that and, and that was even true, though to a slightly lesser extent with Milo. So I, I don't know. I, I on the one hand, you really do get this sense if you just read um, all the major magazines, both on the left and the right, that this is a huge problem. That um, the, the, the it's a new authoritarianism that. Uh, that, that, that the contemporary student is uncomfortable with hearing anything that might threaten their protected little worldview about what's right and what's just. That, and that does seem to be true in, 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 in a bunch of cases that have gotten a lot of media attention. On the other hand, being in the university life, I don't get that sense at all. I get, I get far more greater sense of student apathy about political and social justice issues than I do of unwillingness to listen to other ideas or an intolerance of other ideas. I just I I have I, I haven't experienced it at all. When I talk to people who are worried about this, I ask them if they've personally experienced anything like this. They say no, so so there's some sort of disconnect here. And it could just be like liberal arts universities in the northeast in the california or something like that i don't know what's your sense of to what extent this is widespread Yoel?
1: yeah so i saw john Hyde talking about this on charlie rose and he said um this really only happens at four-year residential schools so uh utsc where i am is is a commuter school um i mean they have some residential students but they're like the small minority um and So that I mean, that fits with my experience Um, and that at some of these schools, then you develop like a very kind of insular political culture, um, like a moral community uh, that really agrees on everything. And then you see these kind of bad effects. So in places where you don't have those conditions, then you wouldn't you wouldn't expect it to be as bad. I do think like these are the schools, though, that are like the most influential. They sort of like set the the national kind of Tone. They produce a lot of the people who are going to go on to positions of power and influence. Um, So even if it's just, you know, the Ivies and some of these, like, uh, expensive liberal arts schools, that's that's important. Like, those are important institutions.
0: If it was something that was reliably and uh, regularly happened at those institutions, yes. Yeah.
1: You know, so the Middlebury thing, like— yeah, I think the specifics of, like, shoving this lady and, like, banging on their car or whatever, then you can be like, oh, a bunch of assholes. But, you know, the broader idea of, like, he shouldn't be allowed to speak, he should be disinvited or shut down, that wasn't just uh, some, uh, you know, 19-year-olds that was uh, alumni, that was some faculty. I mean, there's there seemed to be kind of broader support for this idea of, like, you shouldn't give this guy a platform at all. And, and kind of more broadly, like, this is somebody who... Wrote a controversial book twenty years ago, but is also, you know, uh, a respected intellectual like somebody who's written books that have been reviewed in the places that review books that <laughs> you know, people care about. He's, you know, what I mean. Like, it's not like they're. It's not like Milo. You know, right? He's not. It just really saying, isn't. Right, right. He is. He's a real serious intellectual with things to say, um, and on the basis of, uh, I don't like what he wrote twenty years ago. Um, denying him the opportunity to speak at a private school. It, I mean, it's obviously not illegal, but it seems extreme.
2: There's something about um, saying that what he wrote 20 years ago that, that I think is a little unfair. I don't think it matters when he wrote it. What matters is what his views are and whether they're reasonable. And here's what I wish would happen, which is what my concern is really about the character of the people uh, who are engaged in these protests. because. I, it's perfectly fine to disagree, right? And there's, there's a, a way in which you can say, like, if what we want to do is protect an intellectual environment, then we need to... Pe- people ought to be allowed to vocally disagree and register what they think is wrong. What bugs me about this is that nobody... There's no well-reasoned arguments. It, it is protest by shouting. And when you have protests protest by shouting, then I, I feel like you lose... There, if you are right, there ought to be reasons that you are right, and register those reasons and make them make them known. Write an op-ed and even say I I would be okay if a private institution said, you know what, there are reasons we think that Murray is not a respected intellectual and we shouldn't invite him, and here are those reasons. And anybody who can disagree can write an uh, you know on in the school paper and say these are the other reasons. Is something about the shouting down that is really Misses the the whole point of being able to exercise your ability to have have free thought. That that's circumventing it. And, and you know,
0: there is also something to be said for the fact that. And, I, and I, look, I don't think he's a white supremacist. Let's just say he was. Uh, he was someone who argued for the genetic superiority when it comes to intelligence of white people over. Um, uh, African American people and Asian people over white people, because that was another <laughs> that was another thing that was reported right. uh, finding from the bell curve. Why shouldn't people hear f- uh, this person who who made a case for that and who mounted whatever evidence he and the, his co author had for it? 20, why shouldn't they hear this guy speak on uh, on a new subject that that has has gotten a lot of attention? Why shouldn't they hear it and have yeah. the opportunity to to know where this other side, their opposition, what their what their argument is? I do think Why it should...
2: turns on your what you view, your view of the scholarship is, right? So if you read like the APA um, did this task force, and they you know they had like I don't know how many like a hundred psychologists who wrote an op-ed and you know signed off on this public statement saying that they thought that this was uh, bullshit. Um, conclusions and i i don't know uh, wait, hold, hold coming on, apart no 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 The like, bell curve. I actually the bell. N- no the, the bell yeah. curve
1: and like i actually don't know that this statement was as damning as you might uh think for did you actually read the uh, whole thing
2: i remember reading the 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 op-ed that they published saying that they t- specifically thought that the black white differences weren't valid but i don't remember what yeah. the,
1: right well i mean what they said is there's no good evidence yeah. That the black-white differences in IQ, which are an established fact, right. um, are genetic in origin, yeah. and I believe that. Yeah. Because who the fuck is going to study that? Yeah.
2: Who, who, you know? Who's going to do the research to test whether that's true? I mean, like you're going to say the hell? Like, away from that like, I guess all topic. I'm saying is that I don't know. Like, you could use Tamler sort of what you said exactly to justify the the allowing of a of any speaker, right? So any group could could say. Um, hey, we really think this guy's views are interesting, and I just want to say, like, I, that's not where I think the error is. Like, I actually think that, in fact, so much has been written defending Murray. Like, I don't think that there's there's an absence of even letting this information bleed into uh, every sector of the population. Like, people can read all they want, they can learn all they want. I don't know that that means that you have to invite somebody pay pay for their expenses and bring bring them out. But nobody is suggesting that. Nobody's suggesting you you have to invite. No, 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 but what you're saying is that you don't see why anybody should be allowed to prevent somebody from, from. uh, I'm I'll I'll argue for that. So I went to UC Berkeley and at a
1: state school, they they have to treat speakers um, equally regardless of the content of what they're going to say. So if a student group um, invites a speaker, Um, that speaker has to be treated just the same way as any other speaker even if that person is a literal nazi um now that said i don't think there's been a lot of literal nazis invited (laughs) but i i I kind of like that i like that then you don't have to make all these judgment calls about what's acceptable and what's not acceptable it's like no we're going to be totally content agnostic. but is that that content
2: agnosticity is about once they get invited or is that also about whoever
1: it's about yeah so it's about a if a legitimate student group Decides to invite them, so you can't mm-hmm. say, you know, the college Marxists get to invite somebody, but the college Republicans, you know, their speaker is not right. okay, right? So like it's it, as long as it fulfills the formal requirements of you're invited by the right group and you go through the right channels, um, they can't discriminate.
2: Now, based on I
0: them. think I, I would because in practice, how are you going to evaluate every single person's scholarship credentials? You know from an unbiased perspective i don't know that you need to and i
2: agree with uh, berkeley uh, policy for for state institutions i think it's super important um and the truth is if you know probably just a lot of people wouldn't show up to like some stupid idiot who was like i I guess what i'm defending is the private institutions ability to have um the decision makers say like you know what we as an institution don't think that this reflects the values that we stand for and we don't want to invite a literal nazi even if 20 students in our university said, let's invite him. I, I think it's important yeah. to, I'm, to defend the private institution's ability to decide that right um, I, yeah,
1: they definitely legally, of course they have the right, but like if it's a good idea for a public school, why is it not a good idea for a private? Well
2: because school? you start really getting into issues of state church state separation and I, and I really think that that's that the, that the principle that's behind the Berkeley policy is one about separation of church and state, not one about, about uh, sort of the the value of an institution letting everybody speak if they want to. That's just saying like, look, we're going to have like some false positive. I mean, we're you know we're going to have some some misses here where some idiot gets to talk um, because we don't want to impinge on on the separation of church and state. But a private institution, you set up a college and you have a certain amount of values and you say you know your students want to invite you know in defense of child rape. We said no, no, we're like a we don't want that, right? We there's mm. there's no.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I guess I agree with you on the really extreme ends of the spectrum where we might disagree if we do is. So I, I think Murray is in is is not at that far end. He's not defending child rape. He's not defending Nazism. You know, there was a time where David (laughs) Brooks, who is, well, used to be everybody's favorite cuddly conservative, would mention coming apart in like one out of every three columns. I mean, yes, they're legally allowed to prevent the person from speaking, but I I, I don't see a moral case for it, and I think that there is something damaging um, about that to the mission of liberal arts university and for college students getting a diverse set of point of views that said so here so you know fire uh, the foundation for the individual rights in and in education they reported a record number of efforts to keep controversial speakers from being heard on campus last year so how many do you think that was (laughs) now not all of these succeeded um, but um, this is the number of efforts in 2016 to keep controversial speakers from being heard on campus. 150.
2: 19.
0: <laughs> well, it's in between <laughs> your guesses. It's it's 42 and 11 of those were Milo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the, the high since they had started recording this was like in the 20s, but you know, so Milo uh, you, you subtract the Milo ones. Not, I, I guess, not that that's fair, but you know, and we're talking about of all the speakers of, on all campuses across the country, even the elite it, campuses, 31 non-Milo speakers getting people are trying to prevent them from speaking. That doesn't seem like a plague, or even, or a trend, or even. Something that it that that you might not be able to just attribute to the behavior of some assholes. Yeah. Mm. And people who really are trapped in, in and a bubble.
1: I get that. Um I do think though that, that like this idea of, of valuing free speech it's and, and why, you know, it's um the first amendment is not just about religion, but also about the idea that we don't we don't get ideas to go away by saying you don't get to talk about it. By driving speech underground, um, you in some ways make the things that you're trying to ban um, stronger and more pernicious. Um, you're saying these ideas are so toxic and dangerous that we can't even expose and debunk them publicly. And I think that that makes us weaker. I I would I agree. far prefer that we just I mean I totally agree.
2: I this and this is what I started out saying like I wish that the, what really is striking to me is that they that the students think that this is an appropriate way to deal with with something that they disagree with but but that so that, that said like I, I think that the, that one need not swing in the opposite direction and say right like there are really some things that we don't want as institutions we don't want to waste our time with ideas that we don't want to debunk and speakers that we don't want to invite So Frank Bruno
0: on this topic wrote, he uh, cited a speech by Van Jones, the CNN commentator, um, a speech that he gave to University of Chicago students. I, I think I stand behind all of this. He says, I don't want you to be safe. Ideologically, I don't want you to be safe emotionally. I want you to be strong. That's different. I'm not going to pave the jungle f- for you. Put on some boots and learn how to deal with adversity. You are creating a kind of liberalism the minute it crosses the street into the real world is not just useless but obnoxious and dangerous. I don't know about um, dangerous. <laughs> I want you to be offended every single day on this campus. I want you to be deeply aggrieved and offended and upset and then learn how to speak back because that is what we need from you. This, this whole idea of, yeah, it's, it's okay if you're emotionally upset by what a speaker is saying. It's okay if you are aggrieved by that, if you are ideologically opposed. Um, that's how you learn how to, how to fight back, is by allowing these people into your experience. Yeah,
2: exactly. So I'm gonna t- like I, a really quick anecdote um, that I think might might be at the heart of a problem. So I had a friend who studied intelligence in, in grad school. He we were both in, in grad school, and he ended up being a, a professor at a really large state school, super diverse, but majority of students were Black and Mexican. And in his sort of um, overview course that included topics in co- just across cognitive psychology he would every year allow students to write a topic anonymously on a piece of paper and submit what they wanted to talk about. So there was one lecture day that was sort of just student driven. And when I was talking to him about it, I said, Oh, just do you ever get nervous? And so he said, well, you know what? Every year, um, one of the top topics that I get suggested is race and IQ. And I said, so do you lecture on it? He's like, hell no, I'm not touching that at all. And and so I go, w- but what's the- what's the data on it, right? Because he was, he's like, he's like, you know, Jewish, Asian, White, Hispanic, Black. He's like, but that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> like, and and I just think that that is that is part. Of, Sorry,
0: um, was that Jewish? I remember it, Jewish, over Jewish, Asian. I don't remember which is the
2: top, but you know, the the small penis people. Um, it's uh, <laughs> um, it's <a> good father. <laughs> the, you know what I would want these. Two, it's it's just it's what's most deeply worrisome to me is that i didn't see any of the middlebury students actually reading uh, the bell curve actually writing an op-ed fighting for what they see as true things because if if you don't oppose the views with actual reasons and evidence then what are you left to stand on you're left to whoever shouts the loudest and when we get in a shouting match that's that is that's the recipe for totalitarianism right like that's it's just <laughs> something yeah, we so, know nothing about guess, right.
1: <laughs> so uh i i read Go something ahead. uh i read something from another uh, professor at middlebury who said pretty much exactly that like uh that he had held an extra class like in advance of the talk there had been a a ton of kids who showed up for that and they went over some of the arguments against the bell curve, like they had come, they, they actually went to the talk, prepped with these arguments, they wanted to ask difficult questions, yeah. and then they couldn't because, yeah. you know, the, the talk didn't happen. Yeah. Um, but
0: So I, I feel like we have to, he's not giving a talk on the bell curve. There's there's also that, I mean. Yeah, he, no, that's, he, that's fair. I, 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 so I to think what it, extent is, is that even relevant? Um, the the data on the bell curve so uh, like this debate happened this debate happened like 25 years ago or whenever the bell curve came out like when andrew sullivan in the new republic gave the bell curve you know like allowed them to publish a couple of chapters or a pricey yeah, or but whatever that's, but, but, and people i mean there, that,
2: that's like, like uh, honestly like play me the world's smallest violin that's like complaining that Freebird is your number one requested song right like it's,
0: it's no no it's not it's not a, it's not, i'm not i'm not saying like i feel bad for murray i'm saying it, like, the it really, is the issue something that he wrote 25 years ago rather than the thing that he wrote two years ago that he's coming to lecture on right now and that that's what he's giving us. on? I mean, in an on? ideal that-
2: rationalist world, we would only uh, direct our comments to the talk that somebody's giving. I don't think it's that unfair, right? Like, it's not like he released the PowerPoint slides for what he was going to talk about. Like, for all you know, he's still going to say something about, it. as we know, you know, the racial differences in IQ, or you know... I, I don't. I, I mean, I, I, yeah,
1: yeah. I think it's reasonable to challenge him on his past work in yeah. the Q and A.
2: Right. This All just right. touched. I mean, nerve that's for fine. you, Tamler, because you um, are wary of people judging you on your first zombie paper. Um, everybody reads. Everybody reads that one, <laughs> right. and they just think that that's what Tamler stands <laughs> <Exactly>. for. <laughs>
0: I'm going to give a talk on honor and someone's going to say, so you objected to Chalmers like, and you were a type A materialist. I wonder if you still stand by that. There'll be all these protests. Uh, all right. You're really questioning the link between conceivability and possibility. Well, this, uh, this was a lot more staid. Didn't, we didn't shout than, each other down. It's
1: been very civil. Yeah. Nobody shouted anybody I was, down. I was, I was rocking. I was That's rocking why it was boring. Longer, all right. You guys.
2: <laughs> I felt,
0: I hurt my neck. I'm going to have to be in a neck break.
2: (laughs) Yeah, me too. Took my joke. All
0: right, uh, we'll be right right back to talk about
1: Arrival. That's been great, guys. can have a brain you're a very bad man i'm a very good man just a very bad wizard